Are we recording? We are recording. Oh, okay. We've been recording. We recorded the prayer. It's not going in the podcast. It wasn't that good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So welcome back. What you, what? <laughs> Come on. We're starting a podcast. Welcome back to Resisting Pretense, where we have honest conversations about a life of faith in modern culture, and we hope to sharpen your thinking and inspire faith-infused conversations. I love that phrase, faith-infused conversations, that this shouldn't be stuff we just talk about at church. This should be stuff that's just in our lives. And Oh, and we are uh, unofficially sponsored by Diet Coke. Since we're both drinking Diet Coke mm-hmm. at this point, so... It's a little bit lost on a podcast, but if you if you catch the the bootleg of the video version, then you probably see that there. And if you are a marketing agent for Diet Coke, we'd be happy to take free donations <laughs> so we can just say your name on the air. I know a guy. I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, today our focus is on uh, the phrase, know thyself. I ran into that phrase uh, probably in college, studying, you know, com- coming across uh, Socrates and Plato, and it was it was a common phrase in Greek philosophy, um, but I think it has a, a strong tie into the a life of faith, um, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. Just that that power of clarity of understanding your strengths, your weaknesses, and what that brings into the life of a follower of Jesus. So. Um, I hope, Scott, I hope you learn a lot about yourself today. <laughs> well, it kind of flips it on the ear of, you know, people would say, well, you don't know what you don't know. Mm. Well, the flip side of that is I also know what I know. And the more I know about myself, the more I can engage with a holy God. Yeah. I was in a, um, a conference and it was a huge part of the conference I was at was about kind of self-evaluation. And there was this guy there, his name's Dave Rhodes. And I quoted him, um, I, I wrote down this thing that he said, because I loved it so much. He said, you can only give as much to God as you know about yourself. That's like, wow. That is like, there's some profundity there. There, Like I started chewing on that and thinking, you know, we we talk about giving our lives to Jesus, but if you fundamentally just don't really self-reflect much if you don't think about your own thoughts and feelings and you just kind of like living just kind of off the cuff, then you're really only giving to God as much as you know about yourself. There's a philosophical, I mean, that could be a philosophical phrase on its own that we could discuss because oh yeah, on the one hand, I only know what I know or what I've, I've as you said, reflected on or that kind of thing. God knows everything about me, 100%. And so the more that he exposes himself, the more he exposes me to myself. Absolutely, yeah. And this whole idea of like, I I say to you, God, I'm giving you everything, but only actually God knows what everything looks like. And so in in part of the process, he's feeding back to you these things you need to understand about yourself that aren't always easy to hear. So is God kind of up there going, yeah, not quite. (laughs) You think you are, yeah. (laughs) Um, this whole process takes, I think, a, a significant amount of humility to do it meaningfully and well. And honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So you and I were talking, was it last week? It was last week. Um, 
this is <laughs> this is the kind of off the cuff stuff that we do. Um, but last week we were talking about um, this success formula again, something I kind of saw at a conference and took and adopted, adapted or whatever. Um, and this idea that many people measure success by like your knowledge and your skills lead to your success, and then and then people kind of a nuance of that. Well, yeah, your knowledge and your skills, but really kind of it's multiplied by your attitude. If you have a really great attitude, it can really amplify your knowledge and skills and lead to even greater success. And then, and I don't know if I'd ever really seen it as a formula before, but it was kind of expressed that way. But then this guy at this conference said, yeah, but it's all kind of divided by your dysfunction. There's this, you know, and if you if you can picture a mathematical formula with knowledge plus skills times attitude, and then divided by dysfunction, um, I there was another big kind of aha moment for me of how much our dysfunction, our insecurities, our you know our our blind sides undermine even our strengths undermine the, the things that we're trying to do in our lives. They undermine, um, the, the effectiveness that we can have, um, because there are often things that we're not even that aware of. So if we had a dry erase board, we could write it out on a dry erase board. Right. But if you were going to put it into an example or practical terms, what would that look like? Okay. So I'm a pastor and, uh, I, there's, you know, there's certain knowledge about, say, like the Bible that I have, and and maybe because I'm a pastor, I I want to develop some skills in in counseling or coaching people, and and then let's say I have a I have a um. Let's say I have a reasonably good attitude. I'm a reasonably positive person, and that, so you would think that with some good knowledge of the Bible and some good skills toward counseling coaching people and a decent attitude that would lead to a relatively productive pastoral ministry um but i know many and you've probably met some of the same guys i have who as a pastor they have a fundamental like um insecurity in them about being being respected and they and they're actually quite insecure and so they're they're very um they're always kind of hunting for that compliment or hunting for that approval from people um because they they want to be seen as as constructive and as you know men of god and and all that kind of stuff and so what happens is you get into a situation and as soon as there's conflict the pastor might disengage because he has the knowledge and the skill to be able to lead someone through conflict, and he's got a good attitude like, the, hey, this is resolvable, but underneath all of that, he doesn't have the security in his own kind of uh, ability to actually take people through that difficult conflict because he's too worried about offending someone or hurting feelings or being be, being perceived as though he's taking sides or whatever, and so he doesn't engage in the conflict. Because because that thing under the that 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 dysfunction of not being uh, secure enough undermines everything that he would be capable of doing. Is that answer yeah your question? yeah I think that gives it uh, gives it a, a a good thought. I the 
the scenario that was actually even running through my mind as you were talking was even that person who who comes to know know Jesus reads the Bible is getting to know more and more about God has a has a, a good attitude in all of those things but then there's this underlying dysfunction of maybe hurt or unforgiveness or um, confusion that kind of thing that that you mm. know they're they're they keep wondering why isn't their faith greater than where it should be and it's because of this you know whenever you think of a, a you know I can do plus and plus and plus and plus all day long <laughs> but if I have if I'm divided by something it, it, it decreases it yeah out, I mean it compounds the decreasing of it and that mm-hmm. that even sounds more confusing than it was before <laughs> well and I think that's the it's the um from a mathematical point of view um dysfunction as a divider um as a as a denominator really expresses its power over our lives that what your blind sides are are undermining you in ways that you don't even understand um you don't see it happening and it's not just insecurities it can be sometimes it can be you know pride or arrogance that's this dysfunction that you're not aware of that you come off like a jerk and as a know-it-all and you're trying, you have great knowledge, you have great skills, you, you think you have a great attitude, you think very highly of yourself. But the problem is that you think so highly of yourself that it becomes a dysfunction. And people don't want to listen to you. You're not effective in people's lives because you're so arrogant. You're, you're perceived as just a jerk. And so I think there's, again, there's, there's, that dysfunction doesn't necessarily have to be insecurity. It can, it can be a number of different things. It can be wounding. It can be hurt. It can be, um, you know, what? Oh, you're okay. So can I jump off the uh, offensive diving board? Oh, yeah. Okay. Please. I love Cause, being offensive. Cause, well, because what you're defining, for some people, what, I, what I'm going to talk, what I'm going to suggest is going to be offensive because they are so um, engaged. But, hmm. you know, I look I look at um, former President Trump oh, okay. and has done some really pretty amazing things. I mean, I think there's some really good policies and things that he put into place. But his, his, uh, his demeanor, his demeanor, but, and a lot of the stuff that he came out like on Twitter that was so offensive and so mm. hurtful to people was a dysfunction that really kind of hurt his chances at a second yeah. term. His lack of a his, filter. His, and so success was stifled by this denominator, this, not this, uh, uh, what's that bottom part called? Dysfunction? The, yeah, but the, oh, the, the denominator, de- yeah. the, the, the denominating dysfunction of that really hurt him um, in so many ways. I agree. And I like, you said this could be offensive, I think, just because politics is such a charged topic. But I agree with you. I, there are things, and I'm not a, I'm not a highly engaged political person. Um, I pay attention to headlines, but I don't like get obsessive about politics. But there are things, so I didn't get deep into to the, the Trump presidency, um, as some other friends of mine have. But there are things that he did that I thought were good ideas. And there are things about kind of his general political bent that I agreed with. But I got to a point where I couldn't stand 
him because of just other issues, what I would consider dysfunction issues of his just like, you know, his brashness that went beyond beyond confidence to arrogance. And then I just click, like I, I tune it out and wasn't interested. And so I think his effectiveness, you know, especially as a politician is in, is in keeping a group of people behind him to support him so he can stay in office. Like he didn't, he didn't get a vote from me mostly because of those dysfunctions, even though there were a lot of things I agreed with. I just like, I couldn't get past some of the other things. Exactly. And I think that that's, that's a piece of, and, and this isn't, you know, obviously not a political program, but it's a good example of, on a global scale, on a big yeah, big picture. How that kind of kind of looks, but if we were even to bring that down to a smaller scale, you and I were in the conversation, and and I was thinking about a particular couple while we're having this conversation. Yeah, we both counsel couples. Yeah, that's a that's a part of the pastoral gig. And, and so you know, sometimes we, the difficult part. <laughs> but so so we're dealing with husbands and wives, and and they're trying to be good, faithful followers of Christ in their, in their marriage. Mm -hmm. And yet, and so they want success in their marriage. We all want, you know, a good marriage that you get to the end of whatever that marriage looks like and say, you know, I've, I've had a good marriage in my life, right. but there is this dysfunction that, that undermines all of the stuff we're trying to do well in our marriage are either our own personal dysfunction or our dysfunction as a couple Right. Can can create, you know, that that difficulty and success. Um, you know, it was interesting. I was um having a conversation actually using this formula the other day. I saw that and <laughs> we have a conversation prep preparing for this podcast. <laughs> and then I walk by a conversation he's having with someone else and the formula's out on the thing and I'm like, wait a minute. Did I get credit? I wanna know. I except, actually, I, well, is that just straight up plagiarism or did I get credit? It was, it was, this came out of a conversation with Tom and I, is that enough credit for All right, me or, or would you that's like fine. the copy? I right didn't come up with it anyway. I stole it from someone else. So, Guilty. but what, one of the things we talked about, which is really common in a lot of marriages is the idea that one person is a procrastinator and the other person mm. is very detailed and driven. And on their own, they're not necessarily a problem. Right. But you put them into a marriage, <laughs> and that becomes a dysfunction. Oh, that's the that's the fun of in dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until they end up in our office, and yeah, we're trying right. to figure it out. That's right. I, yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of times it has it has, not always, but often, it has little to do with the marriage dynamic. It might be a dysfunction you carry from your childhood. Like you, you know, there was, there was a wounding or a hurt. And so now when you hear your partner, your spouse say to you something, you're filtering it through that, that hurt. And you're making assumptions about what your partner is saying or doing that is undermining everything you're trying to do together in your marriage. Correct. And, and then some of it is the way, like, you know, some, sometimes when your partner uh, is says something insensitive to you. It's because you're oversensitive from your past, but sometimes it's because your partner is insensitive to you. <laughs> and so trying to weigh out, this is, this is where knowing yourself and knowing if you're prone to 
um, to being highly sensitive gives you an opportunity to minimize that dysfunction and really engage with your partner in a constructive way in saying something like, hey, you said this to me. I took it, I took it as, a, as a dig. Is that how you meant? Like, I need to know, is that how you meant it? Or were you, was, was that a, or was that something else? And sometimes just by acknowledging that, you're able to have a far more constructive conversation. Like, no, I wasn't a dig. That was just a, like, I think everybody's like that. I don't think you're bad. I, so I think sometimes the, that self-reflection, that self-knowledge allows us to move past a lot of unnecessary hurts and, and conflict. Well, and to flip it on its ear is the same thing on the other side where, where the person who is insensitive, when they begin to, to really reflect on and be able to say, okay, we were never a touchy-feely sensitive, you know, we were kind of a, a, a we're just going to hurl everything in our family and whatever happens, happens. That doesn't work in my marriage now. I've got to think back about, do I need to become more sensitive to my spouse? My dysfunction is part of what's creating this controversy in our, in our, you know, so how do I, how do I start dealing with that? Mm -hmm. So we are more successful in our marriage. And if you keep distilling this down to like the personal level, we went from big picture, you know, global politics to marriage and now just down to the individual person in their own spiritual life and relationship with God. If they, if they are unaware of things like guilt or shame in their life and, and they feel like, you know what, I'm, I know I'm saved, but only barely because I don't understand how God could really love me because I, I have a hard time loving myself. And, you know, and if you have somebody who has a lot of that emotional baggage of guilt or shame, they assume that they're like a second class citizen in the kingdom of God. And they, they assume that there's not much God wants to do with them. He's just kind of graciously letting them kind of hang out in his kingdom and are missing because of that dysfunction, because that's a dysfunction. That's not a, that's not true or real. Like we, none of us have a have a reason to be more confident in God's. We all come as beggars to His throne. Like all absolutely of us. correct. Um, and and so He lifts every one of us up and has a a plan and a purpose and a calling for us. That that if you're stuck in shame, you could entirely miss what. The, this opportunity to be to be a part of what God is doing um and so you know it it applies in so many ways this whole this whole idea of knowing yourself and and the value of that and the value of you know not just knowing your weaknesses but also knowing your strengths so that you can thrive in those but a lot of times it's the weaknesses that it's the strengths that we we kind of know and the weaknesses often that we're we can be obliv we can be oblivious to. So how would how would you rate yourself on a on a uh on a know thyself scale? Is this uh one through five, one being the greatest and five give me the scale? Uh give me the rating. Let's <laughs> go just wanna, let's go it, one through five with five being I know myself really, really well. Um, I would probably, I think it's hard for anybody to actually go a five. Um, 
I because that would be, you know, you sound arrogant. Yeah, well, and and the reality of it is is that I think that, you know, I'm I'm uh fastly approaching my sixth decade of life and the more I do you thought, speed up as you go downhill like that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> all all I know is the brakes don't work as well. Um <laughs> I think that that as I've gotten older, the more I've realized there were things that I thought I knew about myself mm. that all of a sudden I'm realizing I either had a wrong view or I've learned something more and deeper about So in the myself. great wisdom of your maturity. Oh, wow. That was, <laughs> that was, that was a diplomatic way of saying you're old. <laughs> You've learned that the process never actually stops. I don't think the process ever stops. And in fact, I think that some of the things I've learned about myself have become, I may have known them at a younger age. They've become richer as I've gotten older mm. because I've begun to understand them better. Um, you know, I, I have, like everybody, I have certain insecurities in my life, but as I've as I've matured, I've also learned how to deal with some of those insecurities. Some of them I've just learned to acknowledge that they're not true. It goes back to what you were just describing mm -hmm. as, you know, um, going from I'm not really worthy in the kingdom of God to saying that's a lie, that I'm not worthy in the kingdom of God, but that God really views me as one of his children and that I don't have to acknowledge that anymore. And I think that came with someone helping me see that that's not true. Hmm. You know, um, I always have to kind of, uh, I, have, I have a tendency to sometimes be uh, self-deprecating in a funny kind of way. Mm -hmm. um, and I always appreciate when somebody says to me, you know, that's, that's really not true. And you need, to, you need to stop, quote, speaking curses over yourself, unquote. And I, it always kind of catches me to go, okay, am I just really being funny? Am I just, is it, is it really kind of that sarcastic self-deprecating mm -hmm. or is there really some truth there that I need to look that at as a dysfunction? Yeah. 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 That's good. You still don't give me a number though. <laughs> oh, you want a number. Yeah. Um, on knowing myself, I would probably say I am a strong four. How about you? Um, oh, definitely five. <laughs> um, We're still working on the maturing part. <laughs> yeah. No, I would say like strong four, four and a half, um, because I agree with you. There's there's always more to learn, and you, you can't arrive in this process. You can just be engaged in this process, and you're going to keep learning new things. And And I think we, you know, perspectives shift you know, in different seasons of your life and you have to be aware of how things are changing in your heart and your attitude. And, and hopefully if you're growing in your knowledge and skills, you need to be aware of where, where, where you're growing stronger. So this is an ongoing process. Um, I only say like, I have, I have, I think one one great person to thank for this space in my life. And that, that would be my wife for one thing, um, who, who has a more natural ability to just reflect and to dig in and to ask questions and, and 
kind of probe and see where people are at. And so she brought that into my life through our relationship. And so, um, but then I, I would hear this stuff in leadership conferences and stuff, and I was very attracted to it. So I would say over the last 10 years or so, this has been a big deal to me. Um, so 10 years ago, I would tell you I was probably more at a, at a three, like, but today I would say I'm strong because, but just because over these last 10 years, I've invested a lot. I've read a lot in this space. I've, you know, I've, I've obsessively, you know, done little inventories and things to kind of, you know, and I've compared them, you know, what does this one say about me? And what, how's this one different? And what does it tell me? And, you know, was I in a, Sometimes I've taken the same inventory twice to see if the results are different, if I'm in a different mood when I take it, you know. And so it's interesting because I think that 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 old saying that uh, denial is not just a river in Egypt is that idea. I can't believe that... you said that on our podcast. That's so cheesy. <laughs> it is, but at when I was at a three, it was that probably that knowing that that dysfunction was there, but not willing to go back, you know, going mm. back to what you said to honestly and okay, humility looking at it. Now. And at that point when I was able to say, okay, that dysfunction is there and I need to do something about it because mm -hmm. it's affecting this. That's when that jumped, that knowledge jumped from a three to a strong four, four and a half was my willingness to go. I am being held back by this. And I think that's the starting point of, of self-knowledge that's the starting point of um of really growing in this space you have to have the humility and and i guess the courage um we talk a lot about courage at stone ridge and kind of one of those four banner qualities of like the, these are the kind of believers we want to build here people that have courage and that's not just courage to go engage with other people sometimes that's the courage to to dig deep into you know yourself yeah so i'm going to put a shameless plug in right here because right. you said courage is one of those things we talk a lot about at stone ridge so for those of you that aren't uh, uh familiar with us um <laughs> Tom is the lead pastor, and I'm the associate pastor at Stone Ridge Church here in Yuma, Arizona. And so when we talk about Stone Ridge, we're talking about the church that we are associated with. Right, right. And uh, and the shameless plug would be, if you live in Yuma, you should really go to Stone Ridge Church. Um, <laughs> unless you have another church you are happily connected with. Well, no, if, unless you have another church you are connected with, I wouldn't even see happily. If you're if you're not happily connected in your church, then you should you should figure out why and talk with your pastor, minister, whoever, and, and try to resolve that. Because um, honestly, and just to go yeah, back to Yeah, because there might be a dysfunction. About, that's <laughs> Well, but it might be a dysfunction on their part, but it also might be a dysfunction right. on my part that's preventing me from connecting to that church. So that, that first step of humility, courage, humility, to really, to really take a hard, honest look at yourself um, is can be can be exciting when you discover things about yourself you're like i i've always known that about myself but i've never been able to put it into words and that like those moments are really exciting but then there's some also some difficult moments where you got to wrestle with something like ah, 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes those ahas aren't as angelic as we'd like them to be. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so I, to me, that's a first step is just like the get in the, the kind of the gut space to be willing to engage in it. I think it, it's a nice kind of easy on-ramp into knowing yourself to start with your strengths. And there's so many resources out there to, to do that. Uh, I, I love, um, there's a, there's an online kind of assessment you can take called Strengths Finder. I think often online you see it listed as Clif Clifton Strength Strengths Finder. Um, I've taken that. I've had a bunch of our our staff at the church take that, and it just it highlights five qualities. Um, it's not like you know you can read good. I mean, it it's it's bigger picture qualities like you're a you're a, you're strategic or you're you know one of your strengths is in in compassionate the way you you care for people and you know so it's it's bigger picture things not not fine tuned skills but um and it it takes. A look at five of those that that probably you're strong in based on your response to the to the questionnaire. Um, there's a similar one, Strengths Finder. You have to pay to take. There's a similar one called High Five that's free to take, and you can get you can take it for free. You get a response, and then you have the option of buying a a more detailed report. Um, but Strengths Finder and High Five, I like. There's another one called Standout. Same guy that was involved in, I think, the original team that built Strengths Finder, uh, Marcus Buckingham, and um, great, great speaker, great author. He did one called Standout that instead of five qualities, he's distilled it down to two. Um, and so to me, some extra clarity about that. I've I've taken all of those. I find their results kind of interesting. Um, you know, and there's probably other ones. Those are just the ones I'm aware of. How important do you think it is in that area of strengths? I mean, because I've run into people who go, I have no strengths. And then they do a <laughs> strengths finder and they go, oh, I would have never thought of that as a strength or I would have never thought of. And so I think there's a part of that that says even when you do that, you also have to trust that God wired you with certain strengths. And especially if you're like, but I don't like that strength. Well, <laughs> that that may not have been your. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's like the Invisible Man saying, "Well, I didn't. I don't like being invisible. I want. I want superpowers like Superman." You know. Well, that's not what you were blessed with. Yeah. <laughs> Get over it. Um, <laughs> Just go disappear. Sorry. Yeah, I think you know clearly in the scripture, God. God made us to be productive. God made us to be fruitful. And so he didn't he didn't make anyone that has no strengths. Like that's that's not a thing. <laughs> and we know in also in scripture in addition to just strengths of like, you know, kind of how you're wired, who you are. Um there's the Bible talks about spiritual gifts. That's another place to invest in kind of learning your strengths cuz spiritual gift the way I think about it is really it's a thing that as you do it, God just blesses it. And when you do that thing, like when you, you know, if your gift is, is um, evangelism, when you, when you start talking to someone about Jesus, they're just, you find this unusual amount of responsiveness because God's just gifted you in that way. Um, and I know people that, 
you know, it's just a it it like blows my mind the way that they just engage with people and like I know people we got we have a friend here at our church, Jesse, who will go to Home Depot and he'll be shopping and he'll be checking out and he'll just ask an innocuous question to the cashier and get their entire life story. Oh yeah. And I like I could beg for that life story and I'd never get it. But there's something about him and the way God's gifted him that people just open up. Yep. And um and that's part of you know, there's I can get better at sharing my faith, but I don't think I'll ever be Jesse because that's a gifting in him and I have different giftings. So um, I think taking the time to kind of look at what the Bible says about gifting and, and try to evaluate and open yourself up to other people. That's another part of the process of just being open to input from others. Um, and whether, whether it's in your strengths or your weaknesses or whatever, like there, it's not a process that you can ever fully do alone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I would agree fully with that. Because I think some people see things in us that we don't see ourselves because we're too close to it. Right. So when we ask somebody else, what do you see as my strengths? They're going to feed back to us things that we may never have thought of. And then if we do like a strength finder, a high five, any of those, and that clarifies that, I think there's a place where we have to go. Going back to our humility and honesty, yeah. I need to then step in and trust <laughs> that that that's that's where my strengths are now. How what do I do with those? Yeah, and taking like you can do a strengths finder and read the results and get excited. Like, ooh, I have this strength to be excited. But it takes a little level of courage and and vulnerability to go to your friend and say, Hey, check out these results. What it says about do you agree with it? Do you think it's a good a good summary of my strengths and because then you have you have a, a good friend of yours that if they're honest with you they might say I, I don't know about this one right <laughs> and right. you gotta deal with like oh maybe maybe I was kind of padding the, the the assessment a little bit I, I was talking about who I wish I was who I wish I was instead of who I really am well and I think that that's and and we're going to talk about this in a minute but there's subtleties in strengths. In mm. other words, um, you and I might have leadership skills, one of our strengths is leadership, but how we use that leadership, how that comes out of us is different. Mm -hmm. And so even though the strength might say, well, you're a leader or you're good at administration or you're good at tasks or whatever that might look like, there's even subtleties in that to how right. that strength. And that's where how I that think the friends out. come in and go, well, I would agree with this. However, this is what it looks like in you. Right, right. Um, and then there's that part of this process of really kind of zoning in on um, weaknesses. And I, it's kind of broader than weaknesses. But, I, you know, when you assess your personal personality through like a, a disc inventory or a Myers-Briggs thing, or my, my personal favorite right now is, is the Enneagram, um, which some people think is weird because it has a strange looking diagram, but, uh, but it's actually, I think a brilliant, it's a brilliant assessment of personality. Um, those kind of things tend to tell you a little bit about strengths and like wh where you lean toward, but they also tell you where you're uncomfortable particularly the Enneagram. The Enneagram gets a little bit more into like, what are, what are these underlying um, forces in your life that, that kind of are pulling you away from 
from your strengths. And that's, I think that's why I like it so much is it, it has a, a spiritual component to it of saying, this is your, your temptation is to be this way. Like if you're, if you're unhealthy, it's going to tell you what you look like unhealthy and what you look like healthy. And that's, that's to me, the value of, of those kind of things is they give you a side of kind of a, a little bit of both. Well, and I like, you know, and, and I don't, I mean, I've probably done the Myers-Briggs, but it was probably when Myers-Briggs was three years old. I don't know. <laughs> but um, the thing I liked about the Enneagram was the shades of it. It wasn't mm -hmm. just this black and white that you're this personality or you're this personality or it was kind of like, okay, you, this is the majority of what you have, but you have a little bit of this. You might lean this way you might or lean that this way, way or yeah. it might lean that way. And, and, you know, when you're living healthy, these are kind of the behaviors that come out mm -hmm. and you're reading them going, yeah, that's me. And then you go, but if you're not healthy in this or if, if, you know, whatever that you're dysfunctional in this area, mm -hmm. it's going to look like this. And you begin reading those descriptors and you're going, Oh, that that's me. And that's ugly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, and that's kind of the humility of it. Yeah. The funny thing is, is, is that if you've talked to anybody who's done the Enneagram, they'll go, yeah, I'm an eight with a seven wing or I'm a, you yeah. know, it'd be conversations like that. They're odd, they're odd conversations. Yeah. We have a friend, I don't know if you know this, but uh, we have a friend, Wendy, who recently just finished a training process of coaching people through kind of self-discovery in the Enneagram. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And I, I like, it's very recent, like with the, when the, within the last few weeks, and I can't wait to talk to her about her experience and, and, and I feel like it's going to add some richness to having someone in our space that, that has some expertise there. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So. Are you going to ask her about your numbers? Uh, probably. We've talked about it before because she, she was quite interested in it for, for months now or maybe years now, but, but just decided to kind of go into this maybe even as a, as a career choice of just being a, being a life coach and using this as a, as a primary tool. And, um, she has she has a wealth of knowledge and perspective on it already, and I'll be really interested to see what what this has had added has added to that. But um, I was just curious if it was going to move the needle to four point seven five or something. <laughs> shush! I'm a six now. Um, <laughs> so there's one other uh, kind of like observation I have. We don't have to go deep into the weeds on this one. This this might be a whole nother podcast, but I also think in terms of like the practicality of getting to know yourself, man, we could learn a lot from addicts. I think people in recovery, people successfully in recovery go through this profound self-reflective process if they're following like the 12 steps um of recognizing you know where where they're powerless and how they need you know the help of a higher power or of god to 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 get you know to deal with their addiction they do you know they there's all these i may be taking these jumping steps and taking them out of order but they do like a, a fearless moral inventory of their lives of where they are and a and a an inventory of people they may have hurt and what of those hurts they need to go back and try to try to rectify and i mean just all this stuff that that just kind of peels them open 
And I have found in my life that people in recovery are some of the most honest and they're, and they're actually quite refreshing. Like I have, I have a lot of friends with, with addiction in their past and I find them some of the most refreshing people to be around because of that, that level of, of, um, of how well they know themselves. They're, just, they're comfortable in their own skin, even though they know, like, that's part of being comfortable in your own skin is really knowing who's in there. Well, and one of, when we were having this whole discussion, um, one of your premises was to say that on some kind of a level, we're all addicts. Oh, yeah. We're all, there, there is some form of, of an addiction that's always our comfort zone. That's always where we go back to. Yeah, there's somebody listening to this right now. I'm not an addict. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. And it's like, you know, I'm not addicted to anything. And it's like, well. We all have a problem with sin. Yeah. And and it is, it has, for many of us, it, it drives our lives in ways that when when we can acknowledge that we are not, capable in and of ourselves to solve our sin problem but we need we need god's power in our lives then we're going through the exact same process Mm -hmm. that addicts go through to find healing and recovery and so i i think there's a whole nother podcast to to kind of parallel um recovery and discipleship that that would be an interesting podcast for us to do in the future um, but I would say that, you know, that's just a, another nuance of a place where we see knowing yourself, creating incredible fruit and healing and progress in people's lives. And it's borne out that, you know, recovery is a great space where you see that happening and the power of it. Well, and I think it's a, it's a, going back to our original formula, it is really the place where people have seen their dysfunction, all, whether it was drugs or alcohol or whatever it was, they realized that was the dysfunction or that was the fruit of the dysfunction that was taking place. And then they had to take that real um, humble look at themselves and say, mm-hmm. where is this coming from? And, you know, because it's so damaging and, and it brought an end to themselves, they were um, they were more prone maybe to take a look at that. I think that when we start talking about know know thyself, we have to be willing to step in that, even though it even though it's going to be uncomfortable. That's right. You know, um, so many of us are so good at um, adapting that we again we we adapt our way around the denial of the dysfunction <laughs> instead of saying. Just acknowledging yeah, it. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. What is this causing in in my personal life, in my right. married life, in my work life, in my social life? That dysfunction is is going to, again, be a, a decreasing factor in no matter what part of my life I'm in. Right. Clarity is priceless. Right. When, you, when you can see clearly who you are and how you fit, into the world it is priceless that's a that's a big reason we do things like you know we do a workshop right now at stone ridge that's that's all about adding clarity to what like what's your calling in into god's kingdom um those kind of things they just 
they allow you to live day to day with a sense of of purpose and and focus that I think makes makes people brings brings joy to their life. When you're when you're fruitful, that's that's exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Very exciting. Yeah. Now I'm ready to go know myself. All right, go know yourself. <laughs> and uh, we'll uh, we'll be back again with another edition of Resisting Pretense. Thanks for joining us and. Uh, subscribe we would love to have you a regular subscriber to our podcast and what else do I need to say Scott should they get a hold of us like yeah, I got a question about you know your whole know thyself should we have them you know go send an email somewhere That's or a lot or... of responsibility yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a I have a dysfunction of not wanting that kind of level of responsibility. No, you could. The easiest way to find us is to go to stoneridgechurch.com, and there are some ways from our website you can reach out to us, and we'd be happy to, to respond to you there. At some point, we'll probably have an email for the podcast, but right now, I don't think we do. So we need to sort our stuff out. We're working on through our dysfunction. All right. <laughs> Till next time. Till next time.